Welcome to The Whole Steward, the holistic approach to wealth from a Christian worldview. I'm your host, Andrew Stanton, and I'm glad you've joined. The 16th largest bank in the U.S. just went bust last Friday. Why did it happen? What is the fallout? If you participate in the modern banking system at all, this matters to you. So listen up today on The Whole Steward. Well, this is episode number 11 on The Whole Steward, and again, I'm so humbled that you're listening. You may remember, if you listened to last week's episode, number 10, that I mentioned I would talk about energy and economics this week, but something has come up that I thought is too big not to talk about. That is the 16th largest bank in the U.S. just went bust on Friday. Why is this so important? I can't not talk about it because if you participate in the modern banking system, in other words, you have a bank account with a bank somewhere in the U.S. or maybe abroad, and you have money, maybe U.S. dollars, and you're storing your value there, this matters to you. We can learn a little bit about what is happening, why it's happening. You know, as they say, history repeats itself, so we'll even get into a little bit of history. But first, none of you submitted any questions this week. I guess everything is clear as day or clear as mud and you don't even know what to ask. Anyways, I would love to answer some questions. If you have any, please send them in. So let's talk about counterparty risk first. When you take your money to the bank and you deposit your dollars in the bank, you're being a lender to the bank. You're lending your dollars to the bank. So with that, you are creating some counterparty risk by handing your capital, your value, over to somebody else. And the risk is that they may or may not handle it well. So they're going to keep them for you, store them for you, invest them for you, but they're not going to just sit on them. They're going to do things with them. And the most common thing to do is to loan them out, to loan those dollars to somebody else. And now thus you have counterparty risk. You as a depositor gave your dollars to the bank who turned around and gave them to somebody else who may or may not pay them back. And the risk is that you as the depositor may not get your money back in that case. Now the government, in its wisdom, created an agency to insure depositors who put their money in banks. It's called the FDIC, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation. It is an independent agency created by the Congress to maintain stability and public confidence in the nation's financial system. The FDIC insures deposits, examines and supervises financial institutions for safety, soundness, and consumer protection, makes large and complex financial institutions resolvable, and manages receiverships. Now, you may have, I know I have, heard banks advertise about how they are FDIC insured. And so you can rest easy when you're depositing your money 
at a bank that if the bank messes it up royally, the FDIC steps in and will give you your money back up to a certain limit. And that limit is $250,000. You might be thinking, well, where does the government get its money? Well, that's a conversation for a different day, but it comes from taxpayers, comes from the government borrowing money and deficit spending. Those things aren't really a good thing in the end. But at a surface level, the FDIC is saying, hey, we're going to insure depositors for up to this amount. And that could be a good thing for you if you're a depositor that has 250000 or less deposited at that bank. If you have more than that limit, deposited at the bank, you may be at risk if the bank fails to not receiving your deposit back that is above the $250,000 limit. So just keep that in mind when you store your money at the bank. So what happened to Silicon Valley Bank? Well, I want to take you through an article published on cbsnews.com on March 10th, 2023 at 6.32 p.m. by Amy Pitchy. I'm going to pull some quotes out of this article just to get our heads around what's happening. Quote, California regulators on Friday abruptly shuttered Silicon Valley Bank, closing a 40-year-old financial institution that catered to the tech industry and that was the 16th largest U.S. bank before its sudden collapse. The company's stock tumbled 60% on Thursday and had plunged another 70% on Friday before trading of its shares were halted, end quote. To put this in context, quote, It's the largest failure of a financial institution since Washington Mutual in 2008 at the height of the financial crisis more than a decade ago, end quote. Now, this bank has been around since 1983, so why were they closed by regulators? Quote, The Financial Department of Financial Protection and Innovation on Friday said it has taken possession of Silicon Valley Bank. The reason, it said, was, quote, inadequate liquidity and insolvency, end quote. So what does that mean for depositors and clients? Well, anybody who had $250,000 or less, which is an insured deposit, should have been okay because, quote, all insured depositors will have access to their insured deposits by Monday morning, March 13th, the FDIC said in a statement. Meanwhile, uninsured depositors will receive an advanced dividend within the next week as well as a receivership certificate for the remaining amount of their uninsured funds. End quote. So why did the bank collapse? Quote, On March 8th, Silicon Valley Bank parent SVB Financial Group said that it was taking strategic actions, quote-unquote, including selling almost all of its available for sale securities, $21 billion in bonds, It also said it planned to issue stock as part of the plan to raise capital and strengthen its finances. SVB, which noted that it would take a $1.8 billion loss on the bond sales, said it needed to take the steps because of higher interest rates and elevated cash burn levels by customers. 
The company also pointed to pressured public and private markets. The bank's heavy exposure to the tech sector played a part in its downfall. End quote. So here's what's happening. The bank, when you are a depositor, you loan your dollars to the bank, and the bank turns around and invests those dollars by loaning them out to somebody else. And one of the things it had done was had loaded up its balance sheet with bonds. From Investopedia, quote, A bond is a fixed income instrument that represents a loan made by an investor to a borrower, typically corporate or governmental. A bond could be thought of as an IOU between the lender and the borrower that includes the details of the loan and its payments. Bonds are used by companies, municipalities, states, and sovereign governments to finance projects and operations. Owners of bonds are debt holders or creditors of the issuer. Bond details include the end date when the principal of the loan is due to be paid to the bond owner and usually include the terms for variable or fixed interest payments made by the borrower. End quote. So here's what happens with bonds. The interest rate, or the yield, is inversely proportional to the price. This is true in real estate as well. If you think about how much a property costs compared to how much income it produces, if the price is high with a low income, its yield is very low. When you have a low-yield bond, then its price is very high. Inversely, if you have a very high income compared to purchase price, say in real estate, then you would say it has a very high yield. Same is true for bonds. If the yield is very high, which is the interest rate, that means the bond price is very low. If you bought bonds when interest rates were very low, as they have been historically, especially over the last two to three years, and interest rates rise, that drives the bond prices down. Bonds are usually considered a stable and secure form of investment. However, in recent months, we have seen an inversion of the yield curve. Usually, long-term interest rates are higher than short-term interest rates. It makes sense, right? If you loan your friend 20 bucks for a day and he's going to pay you back tomorrow, that's probably a lower-risk loan than if he says, hey, can you spot me 20 bucks and I'll pay you back in 30 years? That's going to be a much higher-risk loan. So if you price the interest rate compared to the risk involved, Longer-term rates should be higher than short-term rates. However, that has been reversed lately. It has been the inverse. Short-term rates have been higher than long-term rates. In other words, the market is saying it is more risky to borrow money short-term than it is long-term. They're kind of seeing long-term that rates will come back down. But right now, they're requiring and asking for higher rates. And the Fed is helping that. They're trying to push interest rates up. So the bonds that you purchased with a very low yield six months or a year ago are now worth a lot less because the yields 
that people are asking for now when they buy a bond are much higher. So the sellers of those bonds are having to sell them at a loss. That is exactly what Silicon Valley Bank had to do. They had to sell assets when their depositors came and asked for the money. There was sort of a run on the bank where there was financial instability. So all the depositors or many of them were coming and withdrawing their funds. Also because they made loans to the tech industry and startups in particular, the startups not doing as well have been having to burn cash as of lately to keep their doors open and meet payroll. And so they were withdrawing their funds. That forced Silicon Valley Bank to sell their bonds. And they had to sell them at a loss because their bonds were underwater for what they had paid for them because yields have gone up, prices have gone down. This ultimately forces the bank into insolvency because they took a $1.8 billion loss on the bond sales. That was staggering, and they could not meet the depositors' withdrawal demands. That's when the FDIC stepped in and said, you guys are closed and we're taking over, and they are trying to meet the insured deposits first, and then they're going to see what they can do to meet all the uninsured deposits. But it's going to take some time, and the bank is now basically under new management. That is the government. Now, why does this matter to you? Why does it matter to me? When we come back, we'll talk about the fallout and its effects of the 16th largest bank in the U.S. just going bust next on The Whole Steward. Hey there, it's Andrew. I pour a lot into The Whole Steward. And I'm so humbled you're listening. Did you know I regularly post new articles to our website? I also send the Holistic Approach to Wealth newsletter once a week, to which you can subscribe at thewholesteward.com newsletter. If you're enjoying what you're hearing on the show, would you share it with a friend or leave us a review? I'd really appreciate it. Oh, and thanks for listening. So what is the fallout from all this? Why do you care? Why do I care about Silicon Valley Bank? Well, for starters, I know people who didn't get their paycheck on Friday because their HR department used a company that did their banking with Silicon Valley Bank. And the payments for the Friday paychecks did not go through. There are a lot of people in that situation. Number two, there are large corporations and startups that hold a lot of money in those banks. And if they are not able to get their money back, that could be a huge problem for those companies. They may not be able to make payroll. They may go bust or they may have to lay off their workers. Their company will be financially challenged and that will not be good for the workers or the people who receive the product, it's just generally damaging to the economy in that case. And then number three, it could be a sign of ominous things in the future for other banks who find themselves in exactly the same situation. 
There are other banks, larger banks, who hold bonds right now that are underwater. Think about that for a second. Their depositor withdraw requests, they could find themselves in the same situation as Silicon Valley Bank. And a lot of this has to do with the fact that interest rates have risen so rapidly, more quickly than any other time in recent history. So that creates a lot of financial pressure. It is very hard for lenders to adjust so quickly to this rising interest rate environment. And they find themselves sitting on bad debt. And you, as a depositor, may find yourself sitting on a bad loan. So what can you do to protect yourself? Well, you can make sure that if you're depositing money at an FDIC-insured account, it is only up to $250,000. So keep that in mind. Also, be prepared for rough waters ahead in the economy. Have a bit of reserve set aside for those rough waters. The employment situation is bound to get worse as these types of financial failures occur because the economic activity that is facilitated by these financial institutions functioning properly is going to decrease. And that is partly what the Fed wanted to do in raising interest rates. They're saying they want to stamp out inflation. When there is financial headwind due to things like this, that causes headwind in the economy, which causes people to not spend money the same way or not be able to afford to spend money the same way, and that slows down inflation, or so the argument goes. So be prepared for that. Consider the counterparty risk that you have storing your cash in the bank and the fact that they're just turning around and loaning it out and making a profit on the spread. Consider owning real assets. You can do that by owning real estate or precious metals or fine art or other types of material. There are different ways that you can store your value besides U.S. dollars deposited at the bank. Own real stuff. That's one of the best ways you can hedge against this sort of counterparty risk. There are other sorts of counterparty risk. Say that you own gold, but you deposit it at a bank. Okay, well, now you've just induced counterparty risk by handing your gold to the bank and they're protecting it in a safe or whatever. Also, let's say you own a recreational vehicle like a boat or an RV. If you park it at a storage facility, you have counterparty risk because there is a risk that the people who are managing it for you or storing it for you don't do a good job at that. It's the same thing with dollars. It's the same thing uh, in a lot of ways. Consider also, as we've discussed many times, if you're storing money in the bank, it is a guaranteed loss because of the mandate that the Fed has to induce inflation. Now, they are trying to slow it down, but their directive, their stated goal is 2% per year inflation. 
So basically they're saying we are trying to guarantee you to lose your purchasing power every year. So consider what the Lord might have you do with that money instead of just holding on to it. Do business with one another, but just be wary of the pressures that are facing the economy right now. What I'd like to do to wrap up is just look at a few Proverbs I think will help turn our hearts toward the Lord and His will and His word in these matters. I'm just going to hit on a few as we go through, but there are so many good ones, and I would love to hit on more in the future. I'm going to start with Proverbs 16.16, but I'm really going to jump around after that. Quote, How much better to get wisdom than gold? To get understanding is to be chosen rather than silver. Better is a little with righteousness than great revenues with injustice. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble with it. In the house of the righteous there is much treasure, but trouble befalls the income of the wicked. Whoever is greedy for unjust gain troubles his own household, but he who hates bribes will live. Commit your work to the Lord, and your plans will be established. The Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. Wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. A good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children, but the sinner's wealth is laid up for the righteous. One pretends to be rich, yet has nothing. Another pretends to be poor, yet has great wealth. By wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it is established. By knowledge the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. A wise man is full of strength, and a man of knowledge enhances his might. For by wise guidance you can wage your war, and in abundance of counselors there is victory. Be not one of those who give pledges, who put up security for debts. If you have nothing with which to pay, why should your bed be taken from under you? The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. Whoever has a bountiful eye will be blessed, for he shares his bread with the poor. A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches, and favor is better than silver or gold. The rich and the poor meet together. The Lord is maker of them all. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. I pray this was helpful for you today. Next week, if nothing big comes up, we'll try to look at the effect of energy in the economy and why it's important to understand that. That'll be next week on The Whole Steward. Don't forget to send me your questions, feedback, or concerns. Andrew at thewholesteward.com I would just like to quickly share with you a milestone that we reached this week. We have listeners on the other side of the world. Yeah, in the United States and the United Kingdom. Whoever you are listening out there, I thank you for it. I would love to expand into even more countries. But I'm thankful for those of you who are listening. 
please keep sharing it with your friends. That's how we get the word out right now. Now that you know more, go out and grow more. All content on The Whole Steward is for informational purposes only and must not be considered personal, professional, tax, or legal advice. Please consult an appropriate professional for individualized advice. Though we do our best to bring you reliable information, we make no guarantee on its accuracy. So you must rely on your own due diligence to draw your own conclusions. The views expressed by guests on the show are their own and may not represent that of the host. Please visit our website for complete terms and conditions. Thanks for joining us today for the holistic approach to wealth from a Christian worldview. This show is brought to you by thewholesteward.com.